0: Do on it.
1: to Cincinnati, a phrase said by both the greatest coach of all time and what is shaping up to be possibly the greatest quarterback of all time in CJ Stroud. The Texans are going to Cincinnati this week, and we're going to talk about that and more on this edition of the bullpen. Welcome to this edition of the bullpen I am James Roy this is my partner in crime Tom Chavarria and today we're going to talk about the Texans upcoming game in Cincinnati truly on to Cincinnati not only is CJ Stroud quoting great head coaches he's also drawing comparisons to great quarterbacks like the quarterback that is currently playing for Cincinnati Joe Burrow do you think that that's a valid comparison since technically some people would claim that Joe Burrow kind of is an Ohio State Buckeye, even though he graduated from LSU. Do you think that there's a better comparison for CJ Stroud than Joe Burrow at this point in his career?
0: I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to CJ, and that may sound a little outlandish, but he just protects the football so well. We're talking 14 touchdowns to one interception. That's unheard of stuff, even for cool Joe B., So it'll be interesting to see this matchup and how it kind of develops and to kind of see two young quarterbacks dueling it out. I think there's going to be a lot of offense. Uh, Both of these teams are playing better offensively and uh, their defenses are a little less to be desired, I think.
1: All credit to Joe Burrow. We could very well find out in the future, in the near future, with T. Higgins he could go to another team and we could find out that maybe he's not all that. Maybe Joe Burrow was like really playing him up. Um, we know for a fact, I, I I have no doubt in my mind that Jamar Chase is, is great and talented independent of Joe Burrow. Um, I, I'd be surprised to find that he goes to another team and doesn't play as well. Um, but that being said, um, we, we see the, the comparison between CJ Stroud and, and Joe Burrow to me end at that point because CJ Stroud is playing with, I, I don't like saying it like this because the Texans receiving core has played so well, but it is a significantly less talented receiving core. And he has made that it work. I mean, last week he had three separate receivers with a hundred plus yards um, in what was a dominant and record breaking rookie performance uh, by CJ Stroud last week. Um, I think that that's the difference is that he elevates the talent of those around him, as opposed to Joe Burrow, who I'm not saying he doesn't do that, but Joe Burrow, the Bengals approach was let's, Let's get Jamar Chase. Let's get T. Higgins. And let's see if we give if we give Joe Burrow enough receiving talent, then he'll just be able to get it to someone eventually. And we won't have to worry about how bad our offensive line is. And it seems like so many years removed from picking those two players, they still haven't really worried about how bad their offensive line is. Um, and it's cost them. They've, they've had a rough stretch. My My opening question to you about the Bengals-Texans matchup is I feel like the Texans, I who knows what Bengals team they're gonna get. The Titans face the Bengals team that's significantly less, you know, talented than than they've shown so far this season. I feel like it's just a matter of what Bengals team we face. Do you think that if the Texans catch the Bengals at their best, that they have a good chance of winning the game?
0: It's gonna be so tough. That their defense in the secondary specifically is just so banged up. And when you talk about the weapons that Joe Burrow has his has his uh disposal i mean they're not going to face too many guys better than jamar chase i don't think they've faced a guy better than jamar chase yet and uh, how do you stop that guy you know and then if you do then you have to deal with all the other weapons that he has around and the the one the one thing that will be interesting for me i think is we haven't had the 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 best pass rush and i think if there was ever a day for the stars to align, and Will Anderson comes one way, Grenard comes the other way, you got you know Khalil Davis coming down the middle and meeting at Joe B, that would be this coming Sunday. I mean, it's it's the equalizer. If you can get Joe Burrow off the spot, you have a great chance because he. I think he's dealing with something. I think he's he started off with a lower leg issue to start the season. He's starting to get a little better. He's starting to move around a little bit better. But still, I don't think that's what he wants to do. And it's going to be really critical for the Texans to try to get some pressure to him. Because if not, I think he'll pick them apart.
1: Yeah, I I must admit that a lot of my fear of the Bengals in general, it doesn't really center around their defense. I'm not trying to say their defense is not good. I, frankly, I'm not w- really well-versed in how their defense is. As far as I know, based off what I've seen from them, this season, their defense is really what's kind of kept them level until Joe Burrow got back. But that being said, in in this situation where we face the best that the Bengals have, the concern and what I'm really talking about when I ask that question is, is how good is Joe Burrow going to look against this Texans defense? And so it really, it, to me, it's at least partially on the Texans defense to step up and play their best game. So I need D'Amico to coach the team up to be able to stop Joe Burrow and play into what what his weaknesses are, get pressure on the passer and and don't let him just have a field day. And in that same vein, it's a matter of so far this season, we've kind of gotten a mixed bag from Joe Burrow. I I drafted him in a couple fantasy leagues and there was a stretch early in the season where I had to bench him for my other quarterback in any given league, whether it was Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins, I just couldn't start Joe Burrow. And so are we going to get the best version of Joe Burrow? And if we do, that's when I'm worried about if the Texans can win or not. I think the Bengals have pretty much built back to that point based off what we've seen in recent weeks. But you never know. It's any given Sunday. And usually for me, the team that's favored in a game, it's pretty easy to pick them. But this would be a matchup where if the Bengals are heavily favored, I don't know if I'm fully confident in them. Like I would have been the past two years or so um, just based off the early struggles this season. I really do hope that at the end of the day, we get a lesser version of the Bengals um but this it, it realistically looking at the rest of the schedule this is the hardest game that the Texans have the rest of the season i i have trouble finding another game on the schedule that's more difficult do you, do you agree with that statement
0: oh 100% 100% i think this is probably
1: the the the, the top of the mountain everything's downhill from here in, in my yeah. opinion and i think a lot of that is based on the best version of the bengals because if they play the way they did early in the season this is probably not even one of the hardest games and and there's other games coming up like the the Broncos game with the way that they played, uh, this past week not today or not you know not this past week but a couple weeks ago, I don't know they had a game where they they showed out and I was like can Sean Payton draw that out of them against us? So uh, with each matchup there's a certain amount of nuance but this one has the most nuance and it also has the highest potential to just be a team that's incredibly good and out of our league, so it's a true test for the the Texans if we get the best version of the Bengals now personally. I think the best version of the Bengals, it, it could still be beatable. The only thing that changes for me is, is without Derek Stingley, um, who I don't think is likely to be activated, but I don't actually fully know. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak like I'm Aaron Wilson because this is not per Aaron Wilson. This is per James Ramirez, um, James Roy. Now, you know, my last name, there you go. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's going to be a lot of this episode is just talking about Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Now, Joe Burrow has done a good job recently of finding his other receivers. There's a couple of guys that they've picked up that people are like, oh, they could be really good. But I don't know. In that receiving core, they'll get lost in the shuffle. And Burrow's kind of had to turn to them. Do you think that this defense can handle it if the depth of this receiving core shows up? If, like, Jamar, they lock down Jamar, lock down T. And then all of a sudden, now it's like, oh well, Trenton Irwin just got fifty yards on you. Like, what are we gonna do?
0: Well, here's my problem. They're coming off a game in which they played Buffalo, and T. Higgins went nuclear. Eight catches, hundred and ten yards on nine targets. Tyler Boyd, three catches, fifty-six yards on six targets. Jamar Chase, who who's the scariest of the bunch? Four catches, eight targets, forty-one yards. And Joey B threw for 350 yards and two scores. You said so, that wait, you said that T. Higgins had over 100 yards? 110.
1: Oh, thank God. Oh,
0: so when you look at that, that, that's just so scary because Chase doesn't have to beat you. T can. And then Chase didn't have to have a good game because, oh, by the way, he threw the ball to Joe Mixon five times, and Joe Mixon got in the box. So there. They're, they're, there's a bunch of different ways for them to get it done. Um, they've got a tight end, Drew Sample. He caught a touchdown, three catches, 30 yards, four targets. So, Joey B can spread it around, and this is against Buffalo, which I know their their defense is kind of eh, but still one of the better teams in the you're, league.
1: You're kind What's of up? cutting in and out. Am I? Oh, I'm sorry. You're kind of cutting in and out there.
0: Oh. So so for me, I really think that they can be incredibly scary. <laughs> I hope that that team just overlooks. I hope this is a trap game for Cincinnati is what I hope.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. Having faced our own personal trap game with pa- the Panthers, I think that we're a far more likely candidate to legitimately win that game as a, as a trap team. Um, but I guess what I want to get at before we move on and talk about the Texans offense more than we already have um the the Texans defense, you know, where do you think the weak spot lies? So so obviously safety if we don't get players back that missed the rest of last game, that's a huge hole. But what is your like biggest takeaway from this, so far this season that could be like a flaw that that the Bengals could take advantage of?
0: At corner. You look no further than corner. When when they wanted to get to Mike Evans, they got to Mike Evans for big chunks. Now, Mike Evans got hurt, but before that, he got whatever he wanted. So, injury is the only thing that slowed down Mike Evans. The Texans' secondary did not. So, now you get go from Mike Evans to Jamar Chase, which is a jump up in in talent level, in my opinion. And who's going to stop him? Steven Nelson, for all that he is, is not that dude. I, I like him as a player. I think he's great not that dude. So that means what? You probably throw zone at him. Then then you got the underneath routes where T could go nuts. It's going to be really tough on the secondary.
1: Yeah, I, I think that Steven Nelson, I think he's good. I mean, I think he he had a great start to the season and um and I don't I don't think he's falling off that much, but there's only so long you can expect a cornerback group that's as banged up as they are to just rely on one guy to carry the whole load. So I, I think that that's huge. I think personally that the pass rush is the biggest thing for me. Um as much as it's improved, it needs to be a lot better. Like te- Will Anderson got a sack last week on like a technicality. I thought that they wiped that sack off the board, but apparently it counted because the roughing happened after the play because they reviewed it and determined that Baker Mayfield's knee was down and that Will Will Anderson had touched him. So then he's down and then Jimmy Ward comes in and hits him, so it's a roughing the passer. So that was interesting to see, but those technicalities like that don't don't put the team back. They just give Will Anderson something on the stat sheet and then give the Bucks a first down. So, I right, we need to see this needs to be one of those weeks where the Texans not only you know pressure Joe Burrow but they put him on the ground. It's gotta be that's going to be a big part of it. And then another thing is the turnover battle. Um, there was a couple points in last week's game where the Texans could have put it away or where they made mistakes that were like, they had a fumble on the first possession, I believe it was, that that did not necessarily do the Texans any favors. There was a play where CJ Stroud had the ball pump, punched out inside the 10-yard line, their own 10, and luckily Fant fell on it. Um, winning the turnover differential is always a huge plus, but especially in a game like this against a team that's so good um, when they want to be. Um, and they they do have a lot of reason to play their best football right now. They're highly motivated. It's not like they're cruising in as like a um, oh jeez what what is it? They've had their bye week, so they're what, what's they would be like six and one or seven and one. They're not cruising in like that. They're like a five hundred team, maybe j- just below or just at five hundred uh, coming into or Houston coming in there, and they they have all the reason in the world to put an end to this, you know, Houston team and and go out and get the win. So. The Texans need to carry that culture. We talked about that before. That <laughs> culture needs to be focused on, you know, getting rid of uh, any doubt that they can beat this team. And it can't be a David versus Goliath mentality. It's got to be a I'm I'm Goliath, and this is just this isn't David. This is some other guy that I'm just going to squash. You got to come in with that big dog mentality, you know. So I I think that the, that uh, at the end of the day, for this Texans defense mentality is going to be the big thing. Each position group has its fair shares of strengths and weaknesses, but their, their mentality going into this game, they can't—they can't go in there acting like the Bengals are all that in a bag of chips. But that being said, let's get back into the offense. Do what? So, I guess we can also talk about injuries. So, I don't think it's likely Derek Stingley comes back. But on the offensive side of the ball, you've got Juice Scruggs could return from IR. It's the longest hamstring injury I've ever heard of. I don't know how he's still out, but he is. Maybe it's more serious than they let on. Um, but with that, also, are Robert Woods and uh, Damian Pierce are two big names that I'm looking at, hoping that they come back, please, quick, soon. As much as I love what the Texans are able to do without Robert Woods, it's undeniable that he's a big part of why CJ has had that safety blanket and has been able to get out of certain situations. He has been reliable. Um what do you think the odds are that Damian Pierce comes back this week? Do you have any idea? I, I, they didn't really give me an inkling of an idea based off how they announced the injury.
0: I don't know. I really hope that if he's not ready, they don't play him. I don't think this is the game you rush him back to. I think that for the purpose of trying to build the future, that none of these games are that important that you rush somebody back. Now, Robert Woods is a whole lot older. He definitely should take some more time. While I believe he's a valued part of that receiving core, I think the emergence of Dalton Schultz, who's kind of replaced him in that sense, in the intermediate, in the middle, in the in the third down roll, that sort of thing, I think he's perfectly capable of doing that. And I would rather have Robert Woods 100%. I would rather have Damian Pierce 100%. If they're nicked up at all. I would rather this not be the game that they push it. If if seven more days is going to help get them a little bit better on down in life, I'd rather have them for Tennessee. I'd rather have them for Jacksonville. I'd rather have them to try to win division games to try to win the division. So for me, this game is going to be so challenging. I get that. It's really going to be something where they're going to have to want it big time. But I would, I would only bring healthy horses (laughs) that's for me
1: i mean i i I agree with you i think to an extent um i mean at this point if juice scruggs they got to make that decision of if he's coming back or not like he's been on a really long time i will say this entire segment could be entirely a a mute point by the time this episode drops you know obviously we didn't record this on friday night we recorded this earlier in the week so uh, just full disclosure all of those players could or could not have been announced to be activated from IR before you hear this, but I hope you'll entertain our conversation on it as if we, you know, as if you didn't know, <laughs> so that we can enjoy this this talk between us and you. Um, <laughs> but I, so, I think the biggest benefit that the Texans could have is if Juice Scruggs comes back, you now have you can bump him in at center, and Dieter can play guard. And then you can uh, now granted they weren't playing Dieter at guard when they had him available with Jarrett Patterson at center to bump Titus Howard to right tackle. They aren't putting Josh Jake uh, Josh Jones in, even though they have him on the unofficial depth chart as the likely starter at left guard, which I believe that might be a PR thing. I've, I've heard a lot of different things in recent weeks that have made me less inclined to even care that an unofficial dip depth chart is being released. But um I mean, do you agree? I, th- I think that Juice Scruggs, of all those players, is probably the most impactful return to the team.
0: I don't know, because he's never played a regular season game. Like, everybody's in a hurry to get Juice Scruggs back, and I don't see how he's going to get the full complement of run. They're just going to feed him to the to the wolves, you know, throw him in the deep end of the pool right away. Like, I think they're going to, like, Slowly trickle him in there. He maybe get thirty percent of the snap, something like that. Um, I don't. I don't know that you just start him and then just hope for the best. I, I gotta believe there's got to be some kind of like a rotation, maybe. I don't know. I centers I, a weird I could spot for it, that.
1: I could see it if they if they act designate him for return, activated him, and then gave him like a week where they were like, okay, get used to it back in practice, and then the next week put him back in, but. I feel like to an extent that I, – I don't understand IR at an NFL level. I've never worked for an NFL team. I've never looked at it closely enough to fully understand it. But, I mean, my understanding is is that I don't think they have to designate him for return from IR before he can work out with the team and, like, get antiquated. So they're probably working with him now to make sure he's fully up to speed before they designate him for return from IR. So to some extent, like, a lot of those players are probably pretty well worked out before they get designated – cuz that sometimes that announcement that they're like officially cleared and part of the roster happens on like Saturday night and I'm like there's no way they they decided on Saturday night without any prep or any sort of uh pre pre-game look that oh hey this guy's probably going to play today. So that that's just me though like I said I don't have a whole lot of understanding of that system. So they, they probably know Demika could be like okay juice Saturday night and you're back ready to go. Better <laughs> better uh lock it down for CJ I, I sure hope you're ready for it, but I think that goes back to the fact that the, one of the reasons a lot of fans are, c- are confident in it, and one of the things that that sticks out to me is that Juice Scruggs is part of that stretch of picks that that Nick and D'Amico made. That's like all team captains in college. Their first like five picks, I believe, through Toa Toa were all guys that were captains in college, and like that was their common tie. So like guys like Dylan Horton as like Tank Dell, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, all those guys were team captains in college, and that's a huge. Look, especially at a college like Penn State, Juice Scruggs is, you know, that's a major school, and he was considered worthwhile enough as an offensive lineman to be one of the team captains. I mean, there's a certain mentality that guys like that have that you can rely on to be ready when they're called upon. So I think we could expect him to come back and be just ready to go. Um, but, I mean, I agree with your point earlier that that if he's not 100%, probably not worth pushing him, that we've we've made a serviceable offensive line without him. And throwing him into that mix without him being fully ready is just a recipe for disaster. But I don't know. Do you have any any other final thoughts on this matchup before we close out?
0: I just really hope it's a close competitive game. It, I think it's going to be really difficult. You got a team in Cincy coming off a big win over Buffalo. I really think like they if they're if 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 they're serious about pedal to the metal. They're, they're, they're trying to run through the Texans. I don't All think right. they want to mess with them and play with them. So if it, if it's me and I'm, and I'm, and I'm watching the game, I'm, I'm hoping that they withstand that initial punch. I feel like they the, you know, they're going to try to hit them in the mouth and just get them out of there. And if CJ and the guys can put some points on the board and they battle a little bit, hang around, see what happens.
1: The last time the Bengals played with their food, they lost the Super Bowl. So, I mean, they, they probably learned their lesson from that. All right, we'll move towards closing. We'll, we'll get into our score predictions and do the storybook ending, and then we'll end it. Um, I'd like to hear what your score prediction for this ga- game is, and I'm interested to see if you pick the Texans to win.
0: I can't. It pains me. I want. I, my, my heart wants to pick them. My head won't let me because yeah. Cincinnati dug themselves a hole. We talked about how in the beginning of the season – they did not play well. And in order to get back to where they, where most people consider them to be, they're having to play some really good football. So I believe this is a game that Cincinnati plays really well because they can't afford to give up a game anywhere. And, I mean, Baltimore's playing really well in their division. And I think they win
1: 27-17. All right, yeah. I mean, that, that's about... Where I'm at, I I like I said, like you said, I mean, in, in my heart, I want to go with the Texans. So uh, to give some reason behind it, like if we were facing the same Bengals that played the Titans earlier in the season, I'm going Texans every time, nine times out of ten, you know, eight, eight days a week, I'll pick the Texans over the, the Bengals. But assuming that we get the best version of the, the Bengals that you know beat the Bills and play play has played good football this season and has played to their potential. Um, I, I'd say I'm going to go a little closer than you. I'll say 24 to 17, um, a little seven point game. Uh, and, and for the storybook ending, since it's not really a storybook ending, it's just a, a sad stepping stone on the way to the end of the season for the Texans where they don't get the result they want. Um, <clears throat> here's, here is how the game ends. All right. We'll, we'll set it up and I'll tell the whole how I see the whole last sequence going. So the Texans are down 17 to 10. There's about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And CJ does this thing, but in rookie fashion, I don't know if you could say it's rookie fashion or how you want to say it. He pushes the team down the field, but it's just like, you know, a couple of good plays. It looks like he's going to eat the clock. And then it's like a 60 yard touchdown pass. And now the Texans have tied it up, but the Bengals have like, you know, four minutes left. And then it's just that typical is that same situation the Texans have been in before, like when we gave the ball to the Panthers up one point um, with like five or six minutes left, where like we're like, oh yeah, perfect. It's a lot of time. We can stop it. And if we don't, we'll have time. And then we just watch as they kick it off and Joe Burrow just hands it to Mixon. Ta- t- t- Higgins in the flat. And just all of a sudden the Bengals are on the Texans ten yard line and there's fifty seconds left. And they just they run a couple run plays. And run the clock really down low and get down on the goal line. And then they decide to punch it in for a touchdown. And suddenly there's like 14 seconds left. And the Texans get the ball back. CJ tries tries to throw a couple Hail Marys. They do a set-up play, try and get closer to midfield. But it just, it just doesn't work out. And the Bengals come away with the win. It's a respectable loss considering how good the Bengals are and that they did play to their potential. Um, no one's mad at CJ or the Texans. They didn't shoot themselves in the foot too bad. It was just it's just the way the game shook out. There are things to work on from all sides. And that is my I don't want to call it a storybook ending. If I if I'm predicting a loss, I'll just call it the ending. That's <laughs> the end. There's no storybook to it. That's not how I wanted the game to
0: end. <laughs> I'll say this. If they lose the way you predicted, I'll be extremely proud of this football team. Because yeah. they had went into a hostile environment, into a place Big huge underdog, and they basically were toe to toe with Cincy. and in the end, their quality shown through, but for a young team, you build off of off of losses like that because you were able to be in a game for three quarters with a team that went to a Super Bowl instead of where I feel like Cincinnati's gonna race out and they're just gonna keep them at arm's length. you know they're gonna they're gonna get out to a 10 zero lead and the Texans are just gonna like, always be a possession and a half behind you know what i mean a score and a half behind and yeah kind of like
1: um kind of like the chargers game last year where like it felt like we raced back in it and then it but like at at all times it was pretty much at arm's length. yeah yeah i feel i i
0: I I feel that it it, it's gross it doesn't feel good i feel like i need to shower but i feel (laughs) like that's how the game's gonna go you know what i mean i just feel like they're gonna run out Score two times, and the Texans are gonna make moves. They're gonna move the ball up and down the field. Maybe not score a couple times. Whoever this kicker is, maybe he misses a kick somewhere, and they're just never gonna be able to close that gap enough. And it's gonna be like a ten-point spread.
1: All right. Well, it, it's it's sad that we had to end on score predictions where neither one of us p- picked the Texans to win. But say la vie. Um, thanks for tuning in. Like we always say, the PSF app. Place you can find both of us. You should download it. It is revolutionizing the way you view sports. If you want to join a chat room and talk to people that are the fans of the same team as you and get all your cool hot takes or whatever, you can hop up and you can actually speak in the chat, the live chat for each game if you would like to do that. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think it's a great wave of, of the future of how people will consume sports. So you should definitely hop on that. Um, as far as the podcast goes, it's available on, on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube, at m one fan is where you can find it. And that's where you can find me on social media. Um, tell a friend. If you're listening to this, obviously you know where to find it. There's other ways to find it. And, you know, if you've got a friend that's into the Texans, you know, we're into the Texans as it as it just so happens. And so they maybe they would be into our show. So you just let them know about it. And then they'll tell a friend. It's like a pyramid scheme, but for getting more people to watch our podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> You can find Tom at Third Coast Tom on X. He calls it X. He firmly believes that it's X, and he's never once referred to it as Twitter. (laughs) No, this is is all wrong. Tom is a Twitter truther. He does not believe in X. He will never. It's always a tweet. It's always a retweet. That's what it will always be, and it never has been different. And I'm. I will also always call it that. I. I don't know. I sometimes forget that it's actually called X. Honestly, but. Those are the ways you can reach us. That's all the, the information I believe that I need to get to you. But if you if you don't, you know if you if I didn't give you some information, you can probably find it on our social media pages. So hit us up there. Um, this has been the bullpen. I've been James Roy. This has been Tom Chavarria. Until next time, go te- go Texans. Vamos Texans. Let's get the dub in Cincinnati. Contrary to both Tom and I's predictions, please let us be wrong this week. Thank you in advance. Go text.